Thank you, everyone, for, for staying around. How close, Jed, is, is, is this to the original idea that you had for, for Line of Duty? Well, we, we conceived the series quite a long time ago, and, and for people who can remember Series 1, where Lenny James was the, the officer under investigation, the, the concept of the show was, was something that we presented to the, the BBC straight away as being... Um, a framework by which it could keep coming back if if it worked, if if, if the um, the BBC wanted it to come back and, and the audience liked the show. So the the idea was that the in, in series one it appeared to be um, a serial that was potentially closed ended, but that was something that. Um, would end up being a feature of subsequent series. So the, the investigators would return, and each series would then have its, its distinctive identity taken from the guest character, who is the, um, the character we call the antagonist, the, per, the person who's under investigation. So Keely Hall's last season. Exactly, yeah. 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 So, so the, the, that concept holds true, and we're, we're just working now on the... The, the start of series four, and, and it's the same thing. The first episode introduces uh, a, a guest character who is involved in some kind of corruption slash misconduct that is then investigated. Okay. And Simon, let's talk about the casting a bit. I mean, obviously, Vicky and Adrian are uh, returning actors, but where, where, where did you think that Danny would come into, Danny Mays would come into this? Um, was he? Was he? So, or, or in fact, Jed as well. Were you? Were you writing, thinking of Danny specifically, or how? How did that work? Um, Be honest. I did, I, well, I will. I mean, the thing is, I've never, I've never really done that thing of thinking of a specific actor because then, when the time comes, they're not available. Um, or they and, don't want to do it, do they? Or, or the, you know, or they turn it down, or whatever it is, and and. I mean, I was obviously uh, very familiar with Danny's work, and when um, the, I mean, the, the way the casting process works is that our casting director Kate Rhodes James, who makes a, a fantastic contribution, uh, she she had a, a list of actors that she thought might be right, and, and Danny's name stood out, and we got him in almost straight away, uh, and he came in and he just gave a fantastic, electrifying audition, and. We certainly knew after the audition that he was that character, um, which is the right way round, I think. I think sometimes if, you, if you, you kind of try and imagine it being a specific actor, sometimes that makes the casting process problematic. Okay. And Danny, what did you, what did you feel when you... I mean, how, did you have a snippet of the script to read or were you just doing a uh, audition? I got the first uh, episode to read... And the audition piece was learn as much as you like from the interrogation Oh, scene. my God. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, you were word perfect well, on the whole no, thing, weren't you? It came in late on a Friday. I had a very busy weekend with my kids, and they wanted me to go in 11 o'clock on the Monday. <laughs> oh and goodness. I phoned my agent who was in the audience and said, can you not just ask them for a few more days? And then they gave me another week. They said, and I thought, shit, I've got to learn all that now. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, but in all seriousness, it was such an exceptional piece of writing. And it was like, if you really want to go and get this, show willing, learn it. Don't show them that you can read, show them that you can act and go and grab it with both hands. I recognised immediately the quality of the writing. I was a huge fan of the first two series, Lenny James and Keely Halls, and I thought they're big shoes to fill. And, uh, 
yeah, I grabbed it with both hands. And, and what, what was it? Was it like being a bit like being a kind of new boy at school when you, when you turned up on set because of the existing cast? Um, Craig Parkinson's an old flatmate of mine. So that was a... <laughs> I had a friend there. Um, they were just an extraordinary group of actors, both the existing cast members and indeed the new crew on board, Will and Leanne and Asher and all of them. And um, we had a lot of weapons training before we actually started on the project uh, with a new team, which kind of really bonded us together. We were very quite competitive at the shooting range, I remember that. Um, <laughs> and is but, that the kind of thing you have to take really... Author- is that the kind of thing you have to take really seriously? Vicky, is that something that you... Were- yeah, I did mine on my own, though. So oh, did you? So, oh, um, why? Yeah. I don't know, it just worked out that way. Oh, it was advanced weapons training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have got a really funny story, but maybe that's for later. No, 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 go on. Tell us. Well, I'd gone on my own and I'd done this, you know, training, and then I had to catch my flight back to Nottingham. And one of the casings from the bullets was in my scarf as I oh took it off at security. <laughs> <laughs> in Belfast. Yes, yeah. I was like, it's okay, it's Belfast. What was that? <laughs> so, yeah, you could say my heart sank. <laughs> but I sorted it. You, I thought like Kate. Oh my goodness! And and Adrian, what was it like for you doing that interrogation scene? Because I mean, it is a you you mentioned it earlier as just a just such an incredibly full on. scene Yeah, they to are. Shoot. They are very full on, very intense. You know, and uh, but it was great getting all that stuff back from Danny. You know, I mean, all that energy and uh, you know detail that was coming at you. So you were able to kind of, you know, just keep your eyes on them and. Uh, you know, allow what thoughts that were coming into your head happen. So, yeah, but they're always very intense, those, uh, those particular scenes, you know, and uh, they're kind of the bedrock of the whole piece in many ways, you know, the interrogations, but they do tend to go on for two or three days, that's the problem. And is Jed hanging around watching you do it? He, yeah, he, he, he <laughs> hangs around and, uh, and watches it. But, you know, it's three cameras and you're shooting on there's three people and three, yeah, it just... It's, it's very intense, very tough stuff, but it's great. It's great. You know. I, I find they only last about an hour, and then once, once I've seen a run-through, I can kind of just leave them to get on with it. Oh, yeah, okay. so it's fine. Then, <laughs> then they're just in a, in a hot box for about three days. Yeah. <laughs> and t- t- tell us about writing those scenes, because on paper, you, you could, you, I mean, it could be very dry, but the kind of cat-and-mouse element of mm. it is so captivating. Is it really hard to keep it very simple, when you're writing it and keep it authentic as well? Um, or are you used to doing it now? Well, I think that the, the, the subject of the scenes is, 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 tends to be the, the, the technical side of policing, which is evidence. So, um, you know, I, I never wanted to write the kind of scene where someone would just shout, you know, you're guilty, just admit it. I think that I'm, re- I'm really interested in the fact that, that you know, in, in the physical world, you have to gather evidence. Um, and, and we have great police advice now. And so um, we talk about the letter of the law. We, we, and we make a feature of the fact that unusually for a, a police drama, the person on the other side of the table is a police officer who knows the law, knows how evidence should be gathered, how it should be presented. And so that, that kind of made, made the decision for us that we had to be very technical. And, and you know, I, 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 I just love the detail of it. And you say you have, you have great police advice now. Mm. Did you not have that at the beginning? No. 
Well, what happened originally was that we the first script, which I mean, of, of episode one, series one, featured um, a, a, a counter-terrorism unit shooting an innocent man by mistake, and uh, we sent the script to the Met, and, and they said that, that that they would never do that, so that they weren't <laughs> going to give any advice. <laughs> Uh, and we then really struggled to find any serving police officers who would um, who would uh, agree to get involved. So we used a couple of anonymous officers and some people who came in and just gave us gave us little tidbits. But um, it was it was only in series two that we we had a police officer who was prepared to be very involved in the process. So I could send. Um, this police officer material, we could talk about it, and 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 then it became much more thorough, much more meticulous, and we could we could then really step up the the technical side of it. Okay, so it gave you a certain freedom, I suppose. Yeah, and and um, it was it was also really good to have someone who knew that world really well, so that I I could talk about how I wanted the story to work, and um, he he could advise things that were were plausible things that weren't, and then I then I would find a solution. And of course, I mean, you're, you're, when, you, when you've done your medical series, you have a background in medicine. Mm. So this must have been quite interesting, I guess, we're learning about something totally new. It is interesting. And, 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 the, same, and yeah. the same for you three as well, actually, we immersing yourself in, yeah. in a world. I mean, do, what sort of research, do, other than shooting at, shooting at <coughs> well, I think ranges, I, I, what, what sort of research have you done over the, the series? Well, we, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about the procedural uh, aspects of the piece, I think, people find fascinating. So do we, hmm. given that, you know, you can only proceed incrementally. You can't jump so far forward, make accusations and assumptions and so forth. So I think that incremental, just tiny bits going along, I think people are really hang with that because they know something's being built very solidly towards the, you know, the storylines being built extremely. So any twists and turns become even more exaggerated. Uh, or not exaggerated, but you know, amplified in a way. So, uh, so, so yeah, so learning about those things is, is fascinating you know, in terms of uh, the interrogations and uh, the procedural aspects. But is that something you learn from the script or something you learned by hanging out at a police? I mean, what did you do at the beginning? Did well, you, you know, I'm hoping Jed's doing that work. <laughs> you know, and then well, I learn by proxy, you know, it, it, you know. It sinks in as I do it, you know. Uh, I can't quote the act, though, I have to say. You know, I'm not able to quote the act. I yet. mean, we do talk about procedure a lot on set. Yeah. We, we, really, do, yeah. we really do. We, yeah. You we get do used to the language. Yeah. You know, the sort of... Everybody's got, like, lines that are famous for their characters that come up a lot, and... I think because we're on the third series now, we've got used to understanding. Series one, I was like, well, okay, I'm not really sure what that means, but I'll learn. And now I've really started to pick it up and we understand it because, you know. You could actually be a copper. Well, I'm not going to go that far. You streets are safe. Yeah. Um, You've now started to question the procedure. In some absolutely. Streets, yeah, that's right. No, it's... it's Jed's a very clever man and he writes very clever scripts and you know we we are aiming towards people that want to work stuff out it's not spoon-fed and you know some things are complicated and I think that's what you know is great about the show because you have to sort of earn it you have to work harder as much as we do to understand it to put it out there and make it explainable but make it sound like it's just rolling off the top. So Danny that must have been quite hard for you I mean you 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 learnt the words but to actually kind of get a sense of them as well. Well there's like like th different elements to it. The, the undertaking of learning the lines in the first place, mm 
understanding what those lines actually mean, but then getting into a place where you are open and free in the day that you come to film it. So you have to, you know, be res- respond to what these guys are giving you and just kind of be in the moment. So um, the learning is a kind of blueprint and a foundation for you then to go and be as spontaneous and hopefully entertaining as possible, I guess. And, and did you, in terms of the, the, I mean, there's not that much violence in it, but obviously Danny being garroted or whatever's happened to him at the end, is, is that something that you're, you enjoy writing those scenes or do you have to hold back? I mean, how, how violent can these, these programmes be? And I know programmes like The Fall have, 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 have been mm. criticised and, and Luther have been criticised for being too violent. Mm. Is that something that you're aware of as you're writing it or, or do you just go with your instinct on, on, on well, that? I, I think I'm, I'm just trying to, to tell the story, but then I, I think that what's, what's in the script can obviously has to specify what physical acts take place so that people understand, but, but then there's a whole process uh, that involves the, the directors and Mike, Michael Keeler, who's, who's here, and we, we talk about um, how that is going to be visualised and, and then there's a whole other stage, which is what actually goes into the edit. And, and, and all through that, we're, we're in communication with, with the BBC, and they read the scripts and they give advice. So we, we do try and be sensitive to what's acceptable. But do you have complete freedom with the BBC? You, you, you get advice no has, as opposed to... No, no one does. <laughs> <laughs> no one has complete freedom, and, and, and nor should anyone have complete freedom. The fact is that that um, this is going into people's homes and we need to be responsible. And so we have a, we have a dialogue with, with editorial policy who, who are the people who do that. And, and if there's some differences of opinion, then it goes up the chain and, and we just talk about it. And we, we've, never, we've never reached the point where, where it was problematic. You know, we, I just want to tell the story and I, and I don't want it to go beyond telling the story and being about people's... Revulsion from something, so then they're they're missing the next bit. So they're distracted almost by the yeah. If you yeah, if you yeah. if you push the audience away, then they're not going to watch the next scene, and I want them to watch the next scene. Okay, okay. And and did you do you do you feel with with the way I, mean, I interviewed Keely Hawes for, for for a magazine a while ago, and she was saying that that at the beginning of when she first read the script, much like Danny reading reading his episode, I suppose. You didn't know. She said that you didn't know whether or not her character would go over to the dark side. Mm. Is is that true? Was that that you didn't know at the beginning? I mean, do you know what's going to happen at the end of this series? You're you're writing the beginning of series four, so I presume you do. Um, sorry, do, 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 I, know, do I know that what's happening? Do, do, do you, when I yeah. <laughs> when I started writing series three, did I know what happened at the end of series three? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a pretty vague idea, yeah. I mean, I think that you've got to be aiming for something. You're aiming for closure. And you know that it's going to, um, to reach a point where the, the, the antagonist story has been told. So um, that's always what we, what we discuss. But also the process of doing it is one where we find that, that keeping things... Molten in a way, keeping th- keeping things bubbling, so that there is the opportunity to change as we go along. Not when we're filming, obviously, but in the in the the, the, the scripts that 
we can take diversions and detours and not and, and not be too worried about where we're going off piece. If 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 the story becomes more interesting by changing, then we should be able to change it. So the method that we have is we we try and get each script written um, sequentially, so that once once we're happy with episode one, go on to episode two, and, and keep doing that. And I and I don't talk too much to the editorial team about where it's going. So with the cast, when they come in for audition. We, we try and be a bit cagey anyway. Once we actually start working, once they've been cast and we start working together, then it's, it's a much more open process. So certainly um, when, when Keeley auditioned and when, when Danny auditioned, we didn't talk about what was happening beyond that, that, that first okay. audition piece. Okay. And do you... Um, trying to have a simple question after my very complicated last question. Do, do you, did you always set out to write gender-neutral characters? Because I think, you know, you don't, you're, you know, for example, your character is not a female cop, you're just another cop in the team. Is, is that something that you actually set out to do or something that you wanted? Um, well, I, I, in terms of my, my work history, having, you know, worked in the, in the NHS and, and so on, I, I think that I, I'm very accustomed to men and women doing the same jobs. I, I don't really make much distinction, and so I never. It's really about because I, I tend to write precinct drama. It's it tends to be about what what the character's job is and what their goals are and their responsibilities. So I never really automatically think, oh well, that has to be a male character and that has to be a female character. Often we'll 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 think in terms of maybe we'll audition some male actors and some female actors for the same role and okay. just just. You know, we don't do that very often, but we, we, we sometimes, if we see um, male actors, we may think, okay, well, let's, let's change the character and see some female actors and then make a decision. Um, and it's really about getting the chemistry right and finding that performance. So a lot of the time, though, it, I, I think it is true that it, it isn't really that important whether the character's male or female. Fantastic. Thank you. I think it's time to open out to the, the audience now if people have... Questions. There's a, a mic on both sides. This lady here. How much do you all think you need to see the um, previous series? Because I watched series two before series one, and I loved it. But there were there were certain questions, and obviously the Neil Morrissey <coughs> character and the caddy. Um, is that going to feature in this? And how much do you think that we need to have seen the previous series? Uh, well, we're not, we're not talking about what's happening in in the the rest of the series. Obviously, um, we've seen that Craig's character is back, and and those who've seen previous series um, know he's he's got a a, a history. But um, we're not saying that it's essential to have seen it before. We 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 like the idea of each series standing alone, um, and if if people have seen it and they're loyal to the series, then I think they'll. There'll be things in there that they'll they'll get. It's a, it'll be a, a, a maybe a slightly richer experience for them. But we don't want something that is um, so intricate and so referencing backstory that it's that it's impenetrable to a new audience. And as you you saw from from tonight, it's uh, it, it didn't feel like it was necessary to be familiar with previous previous series. 
We're also um, working with the BBC on a sort of 15-minute catch-up across Series 1 and 2 that will be available on the iPlayer before Series 3 transmits. It would be great to see it all again, actually. Would, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, question for Danny: um, How much does it change you when? How much did it change you when you put the uniform on, the police uniform? I mean, you've done so many characters in, in theatre. How much did it, does it make you feel different, or how much does it contribute to your role? Well, all the uh, all the gear, the gear, the, the armour, whatever you want to call it, was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it changed you dramatically, and uh, <laughs> it makes me laugh chasing that suspect down the alleyway. It was only 1.5 seconds on screen. We must have did about seven takes <laughs> or something. But it was important to get that gear. We wore all that stuff when we were doing the firearms training. So it was just, you know, essential to be comfortable in that. I mean, Danny is a character who is completely proficient at his job. He rules with an iron fist. Um, so all that intricate detail, even you know, handling the machine guns and the clocks and all that kind of stuff, every detail has to be spot on. And I think that's, that time we had before we started shooting was invaluable. It's always about preparation, getting to as close to the characters you possibly could get. And you know, he was an incredibly dark, complex, unpredictable and challenging character to take on. That's obviously why it looks so real. Yes. Well, that, I mean, it's a, a, an important point. I think the thing that I love about Line of Duty and I love about the first two series were, is that it is an edge-of-your-seat cops and robbers police drama with all the twists and the turns and everything like that, but it's firmly rooted in a, in a, in a serious social reality and I think it demands of its actors incredibly truthful and compulsive performances and I think that's the quality of the programme. Thank you. You obviously have been working out. Do you, have you always worked out? Seen you running. Seen you in that running scene. Get me number after. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> the, the lady there. And I've got to follow that. This is a question for Simon. Um... How closely do you work with Jed when he's writing, creating the series? Um, I suppose that myself and Priscilla Parrish, uh, who's uh, the script editor on the programme, uh, that's, that's the editorial team. And uh, I, I see my role, our role, as, as being a sounding board. Um, and, you know, we meet to discuss... The series that we're at the start of the process at the moment for series four, um, and, and then Jed goes away, uh, writes an outline, and it's our role really to, to respond as you know fellow program makers and also like the audience would do, fresh. And as Jed says, we we don't we don't do a lot of mapping out of the series beforehand, and that runs contrary, I think, to the way certain other dramas I've done where you will plan meticulously all six hours or all eight hours or longer and you'll have these very clear staging posts along the way and I think what helps that kind of unpredictability of line of duty is the fact that we keep it, as Jed says, fairly molten. We don't plan it in massive detail beforehand. Obviously Jed's got a very strong sense of where it's going but there is the flexibility to move things and change things. And we do it episode by episode. And I think that, that, that gives it 
that feel. And, and, you know, we don't... What's great is the BBC really let us get on with it, so it feels like a, you know, very pure version of Jed's voice. Lady at the back. Thank you. Um, my question's for Simon again. Would you use that process with any writer, or is it particularly because you trust Jed? Um, <laughs> I, look, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's a tough one to pull off, and, and, and Jed is brilliant at it. Um, uh, but yeah, I think there is the possibility to, 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 to use that. I, I do think that some... I think it's sometimes unfair to expect a writer to map out six hours of an outline in advance and expect it all to feel really fresh and unique and twisty. You know, that, that opportunity maybe just to create the first hour of something with just a, a sense of where it's going can, can suit writers much better. If you've got a, a team-written show and you've got eight or ten hours, then the, the process we use doesn't is really impractical. You know, you, you, if writers are going away individually writing episodes, they need to know where their uh, beginning and, and end is. And, and so there needs to be a lot more planning, a lot more breaking of the story um, in advance. So I think, you know, it's horses for courses, really. Lady here, thank you. Uh, Jed, Simon, um, at the end of the last series, there was one of those infamous Twitter storms where a few people were like, uh, I don't know what happened there in that final se- uh, episode. Did you try and make it a bit clearer in this third, in this third series? Did you try and avoid that, that so that people wouldn't be confused? Did well, just because there was a Twitter storm doesn't mean that's factually correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the, See, if people weren't on Twitter and are actually watching it carefully, then they'd find it was very clear. Um, the, I mean, this is something that, that has kind of become its own mythology. If I, if I believed it, I'd take it seriously. And, you know, we are professional. We do care about how our work is received. So there is a thing called the Appreciation Index, the AI, which is, which is a measure of how the audience responds to, to um, the programme they've watched. It's a, it's, it's a research tool that the BBC use. Uh, so I looked at the AIs... And the AIs don't create any sense, if you look at them, that there was a problem with the last episode. So that's the best piece of information I have. So, you know, I know there were things written about saying that I was forced to apologise for the last episode. That's just a lie. Did you, did you not answer questions? Did you not explain it, though? Were you, did you not do some I Q&A did, on the BBC website I did, where you I did do it? that. And, yeah. and what I, I said is, is something that could... Um, be apologetic. It's like me saying, sorry, but I didn't (laughs) apologise. We we use that way of phrasing things when we're about to stand up for ourselves. So it's really disingenuous for journalists to read what I wrote and then say that I'm apologising. I'm not apologising now. No, she asked a question and I answered it. No, she asked a question. We heard the question about the Twitter storm, and I spoke about the Twitter storm. 
I think a lot of the thing about Twitter as well is you, you, what Simon said is that people are kind of tweeting about stuff and not listening. Yeah. So what's what's yeah. happening on the TV in front of them? Because yeah. they're you know. The I think it, you know as a show in the way Jed writes, it demands close examination. Yeah. Yeah. And what I liked about the reaction to the final episode is people were debating it. Mm. I think too often, you know, I don't want my drama kind of wrapped up in a neat bow. You know, saying, you know, she was a white hat, he was a black hat, hmm. job done. Yeah, but you don't you know. write characters like no. that anyway. You don't but write good and evil that, characters. That's obviously you? not what yeah. we're about. We're not about tying things up neatly. About, you know, the, the, the fact is that in terms of closure, if, if Keeley's character had been released and gone off into the sunset, a lot of people wanted that. And so maybe there was, there was disappointment about that. But then we're getting into things which are just people's opinions. And that's obviously very interesting. But in terms of having to actually make the show, I need the best information I can get. And that's actually contained in the audience research. Mm. Okay, thank you. Hands up who's coming off Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that part of the thing about it, though, is it's not really a who did it anyway, but it's a why they did it, and that that's maybe what people miss the point of? That when they get upset about the endings, I mean, that, that really it's, it's more about an examination of the characters. I think that, that, that that's part of what the show is, but we're, again, the best information we have is that people didn't. That's the point I'm making, that, yes, there's... there's, there's this Twitter storm. It's, people rip comments off Twitter about TV programs and make a story about it. Well, you know, there was a, a primary school head teacher decided to go on Twitter to give her opinion of the theory of evolution. Some people's opinion doesn't have as much value as other people's opinion. He's not on Twitter. <laughs> Any, next question? Anyone else? Dare you, or you can try. <laughs> we saw in the last series Jessica Crane's character get killed off in the first episode. Um, and Danny, we don't know about your character after this one, but you know, did you did you read the script worrying that that could happen, and, that, and as particularly as you didn't really know what was going to be happening? Um, I just did what was on the page. I mean. Uh, no, I mean, I just thought it was a, a sensational read from, from the off, really. And um, it sounds a bit cliché, but it was a complete page-turner. I think this episode comes out of the traps, takes you on an unbelievably exciting journey and ramps things up at the end, and, you know, that's what you call a cliffhanger. I mean, the, I remember the impact of first reading it, and obviously your hopes and dreams is that it transfers onto the... Screen and I, I'm I'm I've thoroughly enjoyed watching it on the big big screen tonight. I think um, we've hopefully accomplished that. Mm. I I have a question. Uh, from watching the show, you have the impression that uh, the the police procedures are very rigorous and very disciplined. I just wonder how prevalent you actually think that is. Bearing in mind that we've just seen, or it would appear we've just seen the police spend £2 million on Operation Midland and not asked all the right questions and not had any evidence and had to turn it down? Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 
I'm, ve I'm very loath to, to, to make any reference to real-world events. I, th I think that, that people should look at real-world events involving policing and draw their own conclusions. I think that what, what we tend to do in line of duty is show that, that policing is, is very complex and that, that we um, portray the police investigating themselves and we look at the conflicts of interest that arise from, from that, that kind of setup. Um, the, the fact is that um, most policing appears to be done very well, but there is obviously, like in any other public institution, um, elements of, of failure and inaccuracy. And I think it's just important that those things are are out in the open so that, that we can learn from them. And certainly from, from line of duty, we, we're not a police bashing show. We hope that in, in watching the series, people will understand that the kinds of situations that police officers deal with are ones that very few other professionals have to face. And that is obviously great for us dramatically. Gentleman in the middle. Um, so, first series filmed in Birmingham, second one, Northern Ireland. Um, how important was it that it was not a specific place because the city is never really referred to? And you, you, how important was it that it was rooted in a non-specific place rather than perhaps, you know, referring to the name of a town or whatever throughout the series? Well, the show was uh, developed and first filmed in Birmingham. Um, and I suppose it's, it's, it's partly there are um, potential legal issues with naming a city and making characters potentially identifiable with real-life police. So um, in some ways the decision was uh, to avoid those kind of comparisons by making the city anonymous. It's obviously Midlands, Northern. But equally, I don't think we wanted to say we're dealing with just the police in one particular city in the UK. Um, we're talking about the police generally in the country uh, and not saying one particular part um, or region is corrupt. So it gave us the freedom, I think, to, to speak about the police in a, in a general sense. And we should say that that, that would be an unintentional resemblance. That, that, it was a, that the legal advice we got was that, that, that hypothetically... If we did a story which was which which named the constabulary and we started dealing with officers of, of reasonably high rank, then we would be getting down to possibly only one or two individuals within that force who occupied that rank and did that particular specialisation. So if there was any accidental resemblance to them, it, it would be a, a, a very unfortunate and expensive problem. <laughs> One last question. Anyone? Oh. Thank you. I'm just wondering whether it would be different answers for different people on the stage. As the viewer, it's very easy, 20 minutes in, to know we're in for a great series. Danny's performance in particular is like, shit, the bed amazing, after like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's so good, Danny. And you got such a high standard after the guests, actors that have been in, and it's unbelievable. But I'm wondering when you relax... Because I'd imagine it'd be different for you, Simon, as you say, sounding board, when you go, I know this series is, is great, or it's good, 
for you, Jed, I wonder, does it take a bit longer? Is it when you finish writing it? Is it when you see the first rushes? Is it when you see the first ratings? At, at what stage do you, can you kind of relax as a writer with the series? Uh, well, well, a good way to relax is not to be on Twitter, obviously. Jed's <laughs> <laughs> um, um, just I'm, bought shares in Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I, I do look at the best information that I can get on that. You know, people may say nice things about the programme, but it's, it's, and that's nice, obviously. It's really nice. Um, but the, the best information we actually get is how many people watch it, how many people stay with it. When you, you're looking at information that's, that's about the behaviour of tens of thousands, millions of, millions of people... And so that information we get is telling us that the show is successful. So it really is, it's the, it's the ratings, it's the, 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 the appreciation for the show. Um, and, and also we really value the, the, the support of the BBC. You know, the fact that certain key individuals within the BBC who are involved in commissioning the show and, and overseeing the show are tremendously behind it. You know, that, that's really important as well. And so if, if we have all those things in place, that's when, that's when we feel like we, we've done a good job and we're, we're in a very fortunate position. It's, it's, it's incredible how fortunate we are that we got a, a two-series commission, which we haven't mentioned yet, that this, mm. is, this is one of two series. There's a series four, which we're starting working on now, which... Um, we're going to be shooting later this year. So we, we do feel incredibly fortunate to have that relationship with the broadcaster, but also with the fans, you know, with the people who actually really like the show and watch it in numbers. That, that's the most important thing to us. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you.